Welcome to Grape Minds, a wine-centric podcast where two wine-loving friends take a look beyond what's in the glass. We look behind it, too, discovering the stories, the culture, the history, and the people that make it all happen. I'm Julie Glenn. We also taste a little wine along the way. I'm Gina Birch. Today, we continue our summer trek through Italy through the wine glass. So we began this series as we were both dreaming of a summer trip to the country and that is still limping along after the pandemic as are many places around the world. So we had to contain our trip to the glass. So we were exploring regions through wine while looking at the food, the culture, and the highlights of each area. We started out in Sicily, then we moved over to the mainland in the southern regions consisting of Campania, Puglia, Calabria, Basilicata. We hit all those guys. Mm-hmm. Then we continued up the peninsula to the central part, famous for Tuscany. We also explored some of the nearby areas like Abruzzo, and it was just such a quick overview. Uh, there was just way too much ground to cover to break it down region by region like we really wish we could have. Um, so we're, we're cramming in as much as we can. And today we're doing the same, uh, lumping all of northern Italy into one big, massive wine trip. A big one. You know, I mean, some people may not be into Italian wine. And they may be over us for like a whole month. So we can't do every single region. But honestly, every single region does kind of deserve its own entire series right. of podcasts. And I think I mean, it's been a good overview for people who um, may not be familiar. Right. And a lot of people steer away from certain European varieties and countries because there's so many grapes. There's mm-hmm. so many um, rules on the labels and it can be complicated. So why not just get an Apicab? Because I yeah. know what that is. <laughs> you know? yeah, we, I, and I can pronounce it. <laughs> to, to this day, I, I get confused as well. Yeah. So up here in the north, okay, we're thinking northern Italy. That's mm-hmm. where... Like everybody else, the leg gets a little wider. <laughs> um, so you got the east and the west, um, of course, central. Um, so, but there are two that really stand up, stand out in the the top part of that boot. You got the Barolo on the left and the Amarone on the right. Mm. To the to the west, it's Barolo town, and over on the right, you're in Amarone. Okay. Barolo is the big old dog from Piedmont. Amarone is another story entirely, a velvety soft little animal from over near Verona in the Veneto, land of great romance. So this isn't to say that they're the only two reds by any stretch. They are just the Mm. best known. Barolo being Nebbiolo grapes, so named for the fog that covers the hills in the region. And fog is Nebbia. And someday I'll have to tell you a story about walking through that Nebbia on a two-lane road to get to a bus stop. Oh, that does not sound fun. Yeah. Well, so Barolo... (laughs) Or adventurous, it sounds like. It was... It was uh, cheek-clenchingly scary, I will tell you. <laughs> um, but uh, so Barolo is that one that famously has just got to chill out. Mm-hmm. And if you envision Barolo or the Nebbiolo grape, that was the one that we compared with Capricorn. Um, it's old, stodgy, kind of old, little old man, you know, mm-hmm. not going to change. I mean, they tried to change a little bit, but it didn't work out so, so right. great. So tradition is the way with that. That is the thing. So Barolo is a very small area there in Piedmont. Right. Also um, huge and near Barolo is Barbera. Oh, I just love me some Barbera. Barbera di Asti and Barbera di Alba are the, the D, and then what comes after it um, is the towns. The name for the towns. towns. And it's D as in the letter D. Um, so to me, Alba is a little bit more earthy. And Osti has a little more fruit, has mm-hmm. a little more fruit prominent. And um, and if those are watching your, the dollars or euros, <laughs> normally um, over there people are watching their euros. We're watching both. Uh, the wine is most consumed, the wine most consumed is a Dolcetto. 
Um, I used to think this was, oh, it's going to be sweet. But no, yeah. a lot of people think that it's anything but sweet, um, yes. as the it's name na- suggests. Yeah, it's named Dolcetto because the grape is sweet. But I mean, wine grapes are sweet anyway. Right, right. But I don't know why. They just named that one Dolcetto. And it's so confusing for wine drinkers. They're like, oh, this is going to be a dessert wine or something. Totally not. 100% really good, nice, dry, light, don't want to age it. Great daily drinker for something that you can afford. I mean, you can't have Barolo every day. Yeah. I remember the first time I really got into Dolcetto, I went to a local wine shop and I said, okay, there was a guy who has had a great palate and he knew what I liked. And I said, I'm making um, uh, a shrimp dish that's, um, uh, it's, it's going to have one of those, like a, I can't remember the name of it now, but it has the olives and artichokes and uh, pine nuts. And anyway, it had a lot of flavor and yeah. I, there was a lot going on and he said, Dolcetto. And after that, I was hook, line, and sinker. I bought that Dolcetto over and over and over again. As a matter of fact, I might have one, which is probably going to be past its prime. Dang it. I hate, I hate when, when I realize that when we're talking. Worst, yeah. yeah, But Dolcetto is a great one to introduce yourself a little bit to Piedmont as mm-hmm. far as like what actual people in Piedmont drink every day. Um, and that Barbera is, is a very nice wine. It's, it's you know, we're kind of like in, in the mid-tier there. We're kind of in the 20s and, and it's 30s. It's a good food wine, too. It's it goes, a really good food yeah. wine. Excellent food wine. But then Barolo being, of course, the big dog. The big dog. Mm-hmm. So, of course, this area is known for its big reds. But since it's summer, we've got some whites in our glass. Gavi. Ooh, I love me some Gavi. Good Gavi. Good Gavi. <laughs> Gavi. So this is situated in the um, southernmost part of Piedmont, and it's made from the Cortese grapes. Is it Cortese? Do you say the Cortese. E? Yeah, Cortese. you pronounce okay. every letter in every word. In that's what I thought. Um, that's what I've always said, but when it came out of my mouth this time, I had that moment of doubt. Like, like I, am I overdoing it? Yeah. <laughs> am I trying to over-enunciate my Italiano? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so, so there is a DOCG. Uh, for Gavi, and it's been there, what, since 17th century or something ridiculous? It's mm-hmm. been a long like, time. Way back in the Wayback mm-hmm. Machine. Um, but this one right here, have you mm-hmm. tried it? I have. I just took a sip. Oh, so this one. Let us discuss this producer. So you know a lot about this. You you used to sell this back in your wine selling days. I sold a heck of a lot of it. Mm -hmm. They have a white label and they have a black label. Mm -hmm. The white label is wonderful, delicious, and excellent by the glass. Everyday kind of wine. This is the special one. Wow. The black label. Do you feel the complexity of that? Okay, so this is where. Mineral and. Yeah. Yeah. This is one of the things that I would love for the world to understand about Italian wine. Everybody thinks red. Everybody thinks Chianti basket on the bottom or high-end Barolo or um, big Velvet Amarones. Always good. But it is 10,000 degrees outside right now. Yeah. And 100% humidity. There is no way I am having an Amarone. No. Although people do. They do a lot that down here. Better crank the AC down. But it's just that you're right. To me, it doesn't sound appealing at all, but... These gavis, Italian whites, are just, like, I think you're right. Some of them are so underrated, people just automatically think Pinot Grigio, mm-hmm. which there can be some uh, some more complex Pinot Grigios. But you look at this, and it's, um, this one's a $50 wine. This is hitting on all cylinders, yeah. too. Are you feeling that mid-palate? It covers all areas of the tongue. It gets the job done as far as flavor profiles, a range, and it's got a smooth finish. Nothing is, um, nothing's just like, uh, there's a pretty good viscosity going on here. Right. It's a good mouth coater, and the fruit is subtle but very present. I'm going to mm. go with kind of like stone fruits. I'm going um, like yes. peach apricot situation here. Not cooked, 
fresh, fresh and ripe, very good summer fruit. So, is it La Skolka? La Skolka. La Skolka. La Skolka. Black La label. So, actually, they've been doing this for a long time. This this winery, uh, and they have a signature style. They have uh, kind of set the bar in the area for the standard of what Gavi is. Mm-hmm. Um, I get that that said it's a little flinty, and I get a little flint yep. in there. Um, I don't know that I would have just pulled it out, but wow, this is a beautiful, beautiful wine. If you can find it, um, we, we put the photograph up like we do with everything yeah. that we try, um, on our, uh, social media sites so you can see it as well. Yeah. This is going to be one that I'm going to fight you for to take home. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's really this good. I haven't had it in so long. Mm-hmm. I know I remember it being amazing and I don't usually use the word amazing cause it's so overused, mm-hmm. but this one really is. I took one step. I'm like, Oh, it is so good. I don't know mm. what, like a little white flower, kind of like a jasmine situation. I was just going to say that. A little floral note to it. Mm-hmm. Mm, mm, mm. Wow. Mm-hmm. So other whites in the area. Um, yeah, have... you want to go a little more tart, you know? Right. And get that Arnace. Arnace, I just had one not too long ago, and we had it uh, in a wine dinner in a course, and it was just beautiful. I just, I forget about that grape, too. That's one that... You don't see on the shelves a lot. You don't see on the on the menus a lot. But if you find the Arnais, A-R-N-E-I-S. Yes. Yeah. Oh, man, that's another beautiful Italian white that's perfect for summer. It goes great with food because uh, it's got that um, acidity as well. But it also has nice fruit and floral notes. And it's good for sipping as well. Cheese yeah. tray with that. Mm. All day, every day. This uh-huh. is a beautiful one. And Arnais is, is from the hills around Roero and the DOCG called Lange. So if you see L-A-N-G-E, Lange region, um, look for that Arnais. You not like Jesse little... Lang over in, um, our friend over in Oregon. No, not that one. <laughs> and when I was talking to him, I wanted to call him that. And I was yeah. like, sorry. Um, but anyway, this is um, another fabulous one. Now, Arnais compared to this is going to be a little bit more citrusy, a little bit more light, a little bit more mm-hmm. Meyer lemon situation, a little more fish appropriate. This one could do great. This Gavi here could be great with any kind of a shellfish, I think. I'm going Alaskan yeah. King crab legs. Yeah. And, um, and anything with a cream or butter sauce, too, because it's anything. got enough to cut uh, acid to cut right through Absolutely, that. like a cheese tortellini situation. Oh, bam! Oh, I'm hungry mm-hmm. now. <sighs> I can hear your stomach over here. It growling. is. It literally is. I'm going to have to... So um, let's move on over to the east, to the Veneto, getting romantic with a couple of gorgeous wines. In the red category, there is the Amarone della Vapolicella. That is a silky red that's made in a traditional way, unlike many wines. Here, the tradition, pre-global warming, when things are a lot cooler and it was harder to get ripeness, um, they would take the grapes, harvest for a couple weeks, lay them out on bamboo mats, and Mm -hmm. allow them to dry out. Then you got these little raisins that you're crushing to make into wine. The grapes are Corvina, Corvinone, and Rondinella. So let them dry out. They used to do it with bamboo mats. Now it's a lot more uh, controlled because, you know, there's a lot more money involved. Um, I'm not going to take a risk on, yeah. you know, raccoons or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but but I've, no, I've talked to some places that still do it old school, and they'll put it on mats in the attic or mm-hmm. put it on mats somewhere. And now, when you know, when you dry these grapes, it concentrates the flavor. And now you understand, if you haven't before, most people kind of get it now with the economics, you completely reduce the amount of juice. Yeah, so your yield, of course, is down. Yield is down, prices go up. Yeah. And that's just economics. It's a, it's a labor-intensive mm-hmm. um, wine, but it's a tradition. And that area, um, we're talking about kind of nearish the Po River Valley kind of like whole area there where you can put things in the attic and let them dry and they're not going to become a big 
gross right. mold fest. That's where, <laughs> um, you know, the prosciutto di Parma is kind of mm-hmm. near that area. A gross mold fest. I yeah, like that. Well, you know what I'm saying. Botrytis. Well, but, you, you know, know, the Culatella di Zabello, you know, that's down in the Po River Valley, and, and we're not too far away from there when we're in, in this area. Right. So it's kind of a, a thing, and the, the preservation of stuff is just really fascinating, the way that that seeped over into the wine. Seep. Here it is. Mm-hmm. So good. you got these little raisins. You're crushing those guys. Mm-hmm. You make those into wine, and that's your Amarone. And then there's another process that they have, which people will sell to you as a baby Amarone, which is not really a thing, but it's Valpola Celery Passa, which means it's wine from the Valpola Celery region, same mm-hmm. uh, grapes, passed over the musts that are left over from the Amarone production. Right. Again, a wonderful That's for the Italian, Yeah, the, 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 the Italian tradition of um, not wasting anything <laughs> and stretching it. So they take those uh, leftovers from the Amarone production. They let the other, the regular wine, hang out with that for a little bit. It gives a little bit of that flavor, a little bit of the raisination. Mm-hmm. So like Amarone is, has this really nice softness to it. I would never describe it as something that's tannic by any stretch. Yeah. Um, it's a, a beautiful, silky, velvety wine, and it's also the wine that is my boyfriend, who I reference all the time, Dal Forno Amarone, mm. and also the Valpolo Celery Paso cannot be beat uh, from that particular That Dal Forno is a delicious Del wine. Dal Forno, my gosh. Or Dal Forno. Gosh, love it. O-A-O. Dal Forno. Forno. Del Forno. Yeah. Forno. Yeah. I, re- I remember, and I know I've told the story before, but we were at a, uh, a trade tasting, and I swear, I think Julie elbowed me... Th- I mean, she would have. She like. You she might have saw that on the. Yeah, she saw <laughs> that on the table, and it was just like, like a bull seeing red in a. Oh, in the, Gina, yeah, she, she just show went in there and just cleared everybody out. And I don't usually throw elbows unless yeah, I'm in a mosh know, pit, but <laughs> in that, that situation, that was in your former life. It had to happen. <laughs> Glad I wore Doc Martens that day. <laughs> Stomping up there. Oh that would gosh, be mine. <laughs> So let's um, let's talk about in that area since we're kind of you know making sure we're giving some love to the white wines mm-hmm. um, since it's summer. What about suave? Suave. Love it, love it, love it. So again, it, and it's spelled. It doesn't have an uh, U in it when you go suave. Uh, I've heard people say sove. It's S O A V E. Suave, you must have the soundtrack and you must try the wine. It's a very nice <laughs> wine. Um, Garganega is the main grape here with Trebbiano de Suave and Chardonnay. Now, this one is kind of your grandma's Pinot Grigio. I'm not saying it's grandma's style, but it was really popular after World War II. You know how people go nuts over Pinot Grigio? They've been yep. doing that for a while. That was what was happening back then with Suave. And as with all things that are huge hits, got overplanted, quality kind of wasn't so great, then it became seen as cheesy, a little out of fashion. Out of fashion, yeah. But hey, it's a good wine. As with always this happens, they go out of fashion and everybody's like, eh, suave. But it's actually quite good. It's a very good wine. You know, the good producers always continue to make it well. You know, it's just there are certain producers that have done it well from the beginning. They're still doing it. They didn't compromise. And they're still going to do it. Yes, exactly. And then the ones that try to get in on the bandwagon, they end up petering out and dying. Because they never really did it. It was never their real passion. They just trying to make money. That's suave. Suave. So So, remember that one and have fun with it. Citrus, flower, tropical fruit. A little bit Um, of almond. Yeah, man, that's good stuff. So, But one of our favorite northern Italian wine regions is really, really north. It's along the border of Austria and Switzerland. And the names of those wines sound more Austrian 
or in German than Italian. <laughs> um, many are very hard to pronounce, and I think it intimidates a lot of people. Um, and we want to encourage you not to ignore them. Buy them. They are terrific finds. Alto Arige. Mm-hmm. And you might also see the word Sudtirol. 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 The region is called Tirol, the whole region. Then southern Tirol, Sudtirol, is into that Trentino Alto Arige area. Right. So, and, and that's where, again, some of the confusion comes because some of the grapes are either they're in the, the different languages and it's just. Uh, there's a lot going on there. This is a beautiful region. Um, let's see. I think, um, what is it? Pinot Grigio is the most planted grape. Then Gewurztraminer and Chardonnay. You know why? You know why they say? You know why that is? Why? Mezzacorona's up there. Ah. And they are pumping out Massive like producers. tankers of that stuff. Yes. So it's not. It's, that's not. I mean, it's there, and it's Pinot Gris, um, Pinot Grigio, but they, um, it's, they have really large. Produce and there's another one that's really big. There's Mezzacorona and uh, what's the other one? I don't know. It's huge and it doesn't matter. Uh, well, Pinot Bianco <laughs> is one of the top in the top five as far as white grapes that are planted. And it's um, uh, the, the Pinot Bianco is from this area. It is a separate grape. It's not Pinot Grigio. Don't confuse it. It's a little more complex. It's Pinot it White. Costs not a little Pinot more. Gray. Right. <laughs> exactly. Green Green Blanco are two different things. Um, at one point in the history, these grapes were confused with Chardonnay. And actually, we have a Pinot Bianco in our glass now from Tenuto Cantino Convento. Tenuto Cantina Convento. Tenuto Cantina Convento. Must have been a convent, I would imagine. Yeah. And actually, this one has um, the name in another language, too, on there. I can't pronounce it. I'm not going to. Murray oh Grease. Gosh. Boy, I does know. this smell Whole different world. I just, oh. Alto Adige. I just want to keep smelling it. I want a perfume like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I always wish that there were Very things. fragrant. Yeah. So Lots nice. of fruit in the nose. Floral. Oh. Mm-hmm. It smells like it's going to be a thicker, bigger, heavier wine. Now, I'm not sure what it's going to you be on the palate. You mean Yes. Um, okay. Ooh. Mm-hmm. I like it. I mean, it's... It's, uh, it's got some mineral, too, in the it's finish. It's more acidity, definitely, than the gavi, for sure. So this is a higher higher altitude, this area surrounded by the Dolomites and the Alps. It's very picturesque region. Um, the cooler temperatures, you know, make these wines that are a little leaner, right? Yes, this is nice and lean, mm-hmm. but it's, uh, it's precise. But it's definitely not lacking in fruit. No, you it get is... a lot of fruit in the mid and mid palate and finish. Mm-hmm. It sits on your tongue. It's got a little bit of weight to it right there in the middle. A little mid. bit of uh, honeydew melon. Mm. I'm feeling there. A little honeydew and uh, maybe a little bit of pineapple. I got some tr- some pineapple, too. And you know what I was thinking with this? Um, prosciutto wrapped melon. Yeah, buddy. Mm-hmm. All day. This area is really well known for um, their speck. Um, so we were talking about the smoked cured meat. Mm-hmm. Um, so it had a little bit of a smokier, uh, like imagine prosciutto with some smoke on it. Um, I, mm. You know Speck. Yeah. But um, that would be uh, something that I think would work really nicely with this. You know what I like Speck in? Mm. Brussels sprouts roasted. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So would this go with a stinky Brussels sprout? I think I could do it. I think it might. I mean, you know, those cruciferous dudes are kind of hard to pair, yeah, but I they could are. do it especially with some Speck. But now that I'm now that I'm tasting this wine, because it does have a little herbaceousness in there, mm-hmm. just a hint. Yeah. I think we could do this. I, I think I'm going to go buy some Brussels sprouts and speck and, um, <laughs> and roast them up tonight. 
<laughs> All right, look out later. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's very good for your health. Now though. we know why you're single, Gina. No. <laughs> no. no, but I mean, it's again. Good, it's good job. for you. Well, it's funny though. Cause Throw in some other cabbage in sometimes there. Sometimes it stinks up the house. Every time I come home to a, a cabbage cook off by my husband, and I'm like, what happened? Who died? I know. I, I, went, I was over at her house last week, and she said, I swear. He was cooking cabbage. Because <laughs> I walked in, I was like, hmm. He sauteed some Napa cabbage. How smells was like a little ripe in fragrant. here. <laughs> you guys doing okay? Mm. How's your gastrointestinal situation? <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, we talked uh, before with uh, in Sutural with, with the Alto Adige. And uh, one of the things that's pretty cool about it is all that German. You know, they speak German. A lot of the signs are in German. Mm-hmm. Um, and it helps to know German up there. Uh, but... Uh, we also are trying now a Mueller Thurgau. And that is a grape. Yes. That is an actual grape. Mm-hmm. It's kind of cool. It's a white grape variety that was created by Hermann Mueller from the Swiss canton, which I imagine is city or town, of Thurgau back in 1882. It's a crossing of Riesling with the Madeleine Royale. But I never get Riesling whenever I try Mueller Thurgau. No, and I think sometimes on the label it'll say Riesling Sylvaner, mm-hmm. like a, and it's hyphenated Riesling Sylvaner. Mm-hmm. It's um, it's another one of those grapes that you might might be labeled two different things. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I want a grape named after me. I guess we have to discover one, right? Yeah, or create one. Um, then mm-hmm. this this one here is from Kurtach Kellerai Cantina. K-E-L-L-E-R-E-I. Kelleray. Kelleray. Yeah. I'm going to do it like the Italians do. Kurtach Kelleray Cantina. All right. So how do you, where are you at? Do you like it? You know, this does not have as big a nose as, oh, wow. But you stick your nose in there and I get like a, like almost like a honeysuckle, like a white flower. But it's not as big as in your, in your face as far as the nose as the Pinot Bianco. It's kind of like a little tight flower, a little rose. Mm-hmm. Rosebud. I also get um, a little bit of an anisette in there in the nose. Just a tiny bit. Oh my God, these are so cool. They are so different. Wow. Yeah. How you doing? Well, I get some of that white flower in the palette too. Yeah, that's really nice. Wow. These are so cool. So if you're, you know, for wine geeks, wine geeks are just going to fall in love and fall all over these. If you just want to try something new and impress your friends, uh, and just just expand your own knowledge and and try uh, your your palate. You know, extend the yeah, and ex- ex- and share this with. Sorry, people. I'm I'm little, I can't get the words out. I'm I, just I'm, so excited. I'm really about flummoxed it. by how awesome these. I mean, I, we were doing Italy, 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 and everybody's mm. red, red, red. And then we're up in the north, and I'm like, I just really we don't really want all those reds right now because it's summer, it's hot, and whites are awesome and, and they're undersung and undersung. Exactly, it the Italian whites are undersung um, and they are. Fantastic. Fan freaking tastic. I am done with any other whites. Yes. Italian only for me for now. So on. go to your local wine shop, ask for some Alto Adige, experiment, buy some of these wines. Mm-hmm. Um, I really think you'll be pleasantly surprised. And, and the, another and thing. The Gavi de Gavi, too. Mm. Oh, that Gavi. And Suave. So We didn't try a Suave today, but we do have the earworm in your head now. <laughs> um, but. Uh, Another thing to check out, too, when you're traveling and looking through Italy is look at some of their dessert wines. They're pretty fun, mm-hmm. especially up in the Verona region. They're they're good at that drying out stuff and making mm-hmm. things a little on the sweeter side. Um, some Pasito from Tuscany is always a good thing to check out. And if you wanted to get a little sweet up in the north, go over to Piedmont and you get yourself some Moscato. 
Oh, yeah. We're going to talk a little bit more about that uh, about next wines. podcast, about all the yeah. sparkling wines. So look out for our next one. We'll be wrapping it up with all the bubbles all around Italy from all the different regions. We don't try all of them. but Oh, I can't wait for that one. It's going to be good times, but in the meantime, we're just going to satiate our love and desire for white wine. And also, if you want to know a little bit more about Alto Adige, we did a great interview a while back with uh, Christina Walsh from Elena Walsh, which is the trailblazer of the Trentino Alto Adige area, in which we talk a little bit more about some of the reds from that region. We will link to that in the text that goes with um, this particular podcast. For sure, for sure. Good idea. Great Minds is produced at WGCU Studios on FGCU campus in Fort Myers, Florida. Our producer for online media is Tara Callaghan. Great Minds theme music is from Kansas City band Victor and Penny. The song is You'd Be So Nice to Come Home To by Cole Porter. To get in touch with us, check out greatminds.org. For Julie Glenn, I'm Gina Birch. Thank you for listening. Winter, under an August moon burning above.